welcome back to Marketing Automation Made Simple. Uh, today, I'm excited to have uh, my guest, my previous guest called Ashley Al-Sadi, uh, who, as you would remember, she was at episode number 33, and we talked about cold calling. She's known as the cold calling queen, and she has two successful businesses where she runs a, um, a successful cold calling outreach uh, business, as well as coaching uh, and, and sales coaching for businesses. So that's really great. <laughs> that's why I want to have her back. Uh, welcome back, Ashley. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I absolutely loved recording our, our last podcast together and talking all things cold calling. And yes, as you said, I am known as that rare and crazy woman that loves doing all the sales grunt work that everyone <laughs> avoids. Um, and I'm really looking forward to the topics we'll discuss today. Yes. No, I really am excited about this because I've um, I've been to a, a uh, presented to a, a group of business owners, uh, two different groups. And um, and where the topic really was um, highlighting was actually the cold calling and lead gen. That's where it was kind of moving towards. And, yes. um, and so I thought, well, within marketing automation and what we do, we really focus on nurturing leads. Our job is really to help businesses simplify their sales process and then use technology to automate those sales processes. And so once a lead comes in, that's easy for us to then work out all these ways to nurture, to convert them. Uh, however, your you know your in a superpower is really generating those leads <laughs> from out of uh, nothing, uh, and and uh, and also uh, generated from LinkedIn or networking and things like that, and then bringing those leads into a business. And um, and so there was a, a group of uh, businesses that uh, mentioned that they were buying lists, uh, mm-hmm. and it's really a cold list. Uh, and so yeah. my immediate thought was like, oh, cold lists. I'm not sure about, uh, you know, from my perspective, it's, I believe we should really nurture them before we even talk to them. But I understand that's a, a different kind of field in the B2B space. Um, and so I wanted to invite you back to talk about, uh, especially on how we could, uh, what businesses can do when they, when they buy cold, um, cold lists. Uh, mm-hmm. And I get them all the time. You know, I get uh, emailed all the time, uh, maybe four or five a day, where people yeah. claim, oh, you know, you, you do this and we can then go and scrape all these emails and and buy these contacts and share with you. Um, so, yeah, I, I was thinking, do these uh, things work? <laughs> mm, what, what do you do, find? Yeah, do cold lists still serve a purpose is kind yes. of the, the question. And, look, I love this topic because I think when it comes to what we do at the Promo Donna, so this is my cold calling and lead generation company, cold list is the core of what we work with. So as much as we can definitely help with say, following up warm leads or like your own leads, um, Giovanna, that you've kind yeah. of nurtured, we can follow those up. But yeah. yes, the main you know, core focus with many of our clients is we'll source a new database or a new list and we will contact them completely cold to try and generate new opportunities. <laughs> um, so I think the simple answer is yes, they still definitely work. Right. But I think, you know, one thing that you touched on, and this was actually off camera, you know, we're having a bit of a chit chat, Giovanna. You did say that, you know, the company that had asked you about cold lists had said, oh, you know, we're sourcing all of this new data, we're sourcing new lists. And you asked a great question. You said, what did you purchase them for? And so I think that's one piece of advice I would give everyone who's listening is, yes, we get inundated with those emails. And I do too, from people saying, oh, we could scrape data, we could get you great lists. But I wouldn't purchase them unless you have a purpose. You know, if you actually have a reason, so if you've, you know, launched a new service or you're really focused on growing the business and you do want to generate new leads or, I don't know, you're making a bit of a pivot and, you know, you want to target a new industry or a new sector, something of that nature, 
their valid reasons for sourcing new data. So I think, you know, tip number one, get focused and have a purpose for sourcing a new list. Wow. Okay. Yes. Um, where would you go to buy a list if you were? Yeah. Never done it before, so. <laughs> yeah. And this is a great question because you're spot on. I think, you know, there could be listeners thinking, okay, well, great. I have a purpose. What do I do next? Um, so with the promo, Donna, when we start a campaign, that's step number one for us is we will say, okay, do you have a list that you can work with internally or do you have to go completely cold and source new data? If they say, yes, we need something new, there's a range of different methods that you can use to generate a list. One that we will frequently use is actually going to a list broker. So there's actual companies out there that has all this data readily available. And the reason I love using a broker is because you can be very specific. So, you know, getting the criteria right is another big tip that I'll give the listeners because, um, you know, the list is so integral to what we do and it's so integral to generating great results. You know, if you source a list and it's not suitable for your campaign, you're not going to get the results that you want, bottom line. So, you know, let's say, for example, I'm starting a campaign. I want to work with companies in you know, the branding and design, HR and IT space, let's say, or those sectors. I know I want to speak with sales managers. So that's the decision maker I want to speak to. And maybe I have categorized or kind of defined the fact that we want to work with companies that have a turnover or a revenue of a million plus, you know, something of that nature. These are the kinds of things that you can actually tell the list broker you want. You know, this is the kind of company, the size, the decision maker, the industry sectors, even the areas, you know, I might specify, we just want to target Victoria, you know, Melbourne, Victoria. So they can get very uh, specific in, in sourcing the right list for you. Now, if you don't have access to a list broker or say you don't have maybe the funds for a list broker, because obviously a list will cost you, you could actually use your own, you know, kind of methods to go to market Great platforms like LinkedIn have data readily available. You know, you can actually purchase a bigger subscription so that you can gain access to people's information and you can actually get very targeted on LinkedIn. You know, again, I want to speak with sales managers in Victoria, these types of industries, and then you can ultimately create a list off the back of that. So, um, so yeah, if not list brokers, using your own methods and um, trying to source something really specific. Yeah, interesting. You mentioned yeah, list brokers. I'm guessing they would be uh, tasked with qualifying those leads, making sure their current, you know, their database is always active or, or, or engaged. That somehow they they get the right contacts because there would be some instances where people would buy these lists, as in these cold outreaches that, for example, I would get from some random software companies uh, from overseas, <laughs> and they'll mm. tell you, hey, you know, this is what we can do for you, and we can give you thousands of qualified leads, um, and you don't have that trust that it's going to work. What would you recommend businesses not do when it comes to purchasing lists? Oh, that's a great question. What would I not do? I, I think it, again, comes back to the, the you know, being really specific and, and having clear criteria on who you want to work with. What I wouldn't do is I wouldn't just use a blanket approach of, you know, someone approaches me and says, hey, we've got thousands of leads that we can feed through to you. Do you want to purchase it? And if you go ahead with something like that, you really don't know what you're getting. And not only that, you you know, you might not be targeting businesses or people that are a suitable fit for whatever you're offering. So I think a real blanket approach or a scattergun approach is not really going to work. You do need to get quite focused. Um, and 
Look, I think that would be my my top tip because, again, I'm just thinking of all the campaigns we've done, all the cold outreach programs we've run, and there's never a, I wouldn't do that. It's more if they're specifically targeted and then we have a great approach, that's where the results can be created. Mm. How, how many times do you think it would require for you to convert those? What's the expected conversion rate for these type of cold lists? Yeah, so let's get it. I guess we're kind of getting into, well, okay, we've got our cold list now. How do we create results from this? Because again, you know, if you are reaching out to completely cold leads, you do need to generate a great cold calling approach or a lead generation approach. Um, This is probably coming back to me talking through step by step the sales approach that my team and I use each and every day when we are on the phones, because this is the approach that really gets us results. And also I find having a proven sales process in place, you know, so almost like a step-by-step guide to your conversation will not only create conversations and, you know, good outcomes, but it gives you a lot more confidence. You know, I know if someone buys a list and they've got all these cold leads, quite often, you know, the feedback for me is, oh, well, I have this list, but I had no idea what to say when I called. (laughs) So, you know, I could talk about this all day, to be honest, um, Giovanna, but as a very quick snapshot for everyone listening, you know, the proven sales process that I always use is number one, have a great elevator pitch, obviously, you know, this is key to what we do. And especially when you have cold leads. So when you're calling someone who is cold, the likelihood is they've never heard of you. They've never heard of you, your company, your brand. So the elevator pitch is going to be critical. And, you know, the elevator pitch, we have about 10 to 30 seconds, probably not 30, to be honest, it's very quick, to introduce who we are, what we do, and almost to add this kind of unique, compelling offer in the mix. You know, it's got to be something that generates intrigue with your prospects. And I'll give you my top tip for doing that. It's about making it about the what's in it for them. So I'll always say to my clients, you know, you can reel off why you're great, why you do what you do and how many years you've been in business and how many awards you've won. No one really cares as a prospect. They want to know how you're going to help them. How are you going to help me to overcome my challenge or my points of pain? So if you're going to put together an elevator pitch for these cold leads, think about that. You know, how do you help your clients? Um, What is the what's in it for them? And then my other tip about the, uh, your elevator pitch is come up with several different ones because whenever we start an, um, uh, a new campaign for the promo donna, and again, we're reaching out to cold leads, we might think we have a great pitch and then we reach out to the first 10 people and, you know, we, it just doesn't resonate. So come up with several different pitches, test it out, and just be aware that you might have to tweak it as you kind of go along. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so that's tip. step one. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, all from experience, we know that it's, it's always about that process of testing and measuring. Um, but yeah, in terms of the process, so we do a great elevator pitch. The second step is we always ask great questions. And that's probably my top tip that I give people for, you know, phone use, for cold calling, for cold outreach. Your role as a salesperson is not to bombard people with information. It's to ask great questions and get that conversation flowing. So have some open-ended questions. You know, I might say, tell me a little bit about your sales process. How do you currently generate sales leads? You know, what was your last, you know, the last results of your lead generation campaign that you ran? Something that will get, you know, the information flowing so you know, you know, how you can help them ultimately. Now, after you've done that pitch and you've asked some great questions, the last few steps of the process is, number one, 
you know, asking or I should say handling objections because they're pretty inevitable. Um, And I would definitely say this is going to be the case when you are reaching out to a new cold list because people aren't aware of who you are and what you do. They'll quite often, you know, say, oh, you know, we've got a provider who does that or, you know, we don't have the budget in place, you know, those age-old objections that arise. And so a few tips from my end is, you know, the first objection handling technique I love is to put the objection up front. So if you think that you are reaching out to a market where your services might already be prevalent, so, you know, let's say you're an accounting firm and you're reaching out to small businesses, the likelihood is they're going to have an accountant in place. So my skill might be something like, look, you know, hi, John, it's Ashley from XYZ Accounting, um, you know, a bit of a skill that elevator pitch about why we're different and unique. And then I might say, I understand that you would already have an accountant in place because you are a small business. However, in my experience, you know, a lot of people review their providers or they're not exactly happy with the service levels. You know, tell me a little bit about your experience with your current accountant. And it's amazing how that totally flips the results because people suddenly will go, well, you know, I do have an accountant, you're right, but, you know, maybe they're not necessarily that happy or something along those lines. Um, But also, yeah, if you're getting objections that are arising, just make a list and all of the solutions that you can ultimately provide back or kind of rebuttals that you can give. And last but not least, if you followed that process of having a great pitch, asking great questions, handling objections, you should come to the close. So, you know, a great outcome is when someone says, well, what's the next step? You know, where do we go to from here? But if they're not, you know, giving you that, that great, you know, feedback, you basically have to go back in the process to find out, you know, where are they not seeing the value? Is it that I haven't handled an objection? You know, do I need to ask more questions? Or there are certain techniques like, you know, using, say, the assumptive sale, um, you know, close where you might assume they're going to go ahead and use assumptive language. So there's all different techniques. But I guess that's a very long-winded answer to, you know, (laughs) how do we create good results with cold leads? It's all about having a great approach, a sales process in place and mapping it out before you actually pick up the phone. Mm, Yes. So how long would this process uh, typically take? Because it sounds like what you, obviously that's going to depend on each client, depends on the, Mm. um, but how long should I, you know, if I hired someone like you, how long do I expect for it to make some kind of impacts? Uh, That's a great question. Yeah. So look, I think, and I would answer it two ways. So in terms of how long would it take to come up with like a sales approach for a client? um, Firstly, what we do when a client starts with us is we run a workshop session where we pretty much brainstorm everything that I was just talking about. So tell me your elevator pitch, you know, what are your key messages? Um, You know, what are some of the great questions we should be asking people? What objections might arise all the time for you? So we pretty much take that you know, all of that information from that session. And then we develop our own scripts that we, you know, train up the team with, and then we get to use as a guide. Um, So our our process, you know, it doesn't take that long. It's probably like a week to two week turnaround time just to have all those scripts developed and the team trained up. But then I think secondary to that answer, the other side of it is, well, how long will it take to see results, you know, with a cold list? And You know, it's kind of a a loaded question, I would say, because, you know, it depends on the outcomes you're trying to generate. If you're someone that is jumping onto a cold list and you're simply wanting to set up appointments, let's say, you should see results quite quickly. You know, it's all about making the calls, committing to the follow-up, 
you know, I find in general, it probably takes on average two to three calls to get through to the right person and have a great conversation. So that's one thing for people to keep in mind. But once you've had that conversation, if you've got a great process, you should be able to create a good outcome. And let's say it is an appointment. But then I said it was a loaded question. And that's because, you know, if a client is looking to convert new business, then that's a whole other ball game because it does depend on, you know, what industry you're in, um, you know, what's your sales cycle. So we've got clients that some of them, they'll run, um, you know, a campaign for a month with us. We'll generate immediate appointments, you know, within the first few weeks. And they'll be able to convert that person quite quickly, you know, because their sales cycle is quite, quite short. However, we've got other clients where they know, well, this is a long-term focus. We need to get in front of people, but we might not convert them for three months. So that's when we start to see traction, you know, a bit further down the track. But, um, but yeah, I think people commit and they know, you know, they have realistic expectations and that's all looking back at what have they produced with their own clientele in the past. Um, that will enable them to stay focused and, yeah, just kind of expect the outcomes as they should come. Yeah. So, it, it, yeah, it's interesting. I was going to ask you, maybe this is a good one. <laughs> Uh, because um, I get because I get these all the time um, and I get phone calls all the time. I actually set up a, a gatekeeper, just a voicemail message that says, I actually don't pick up my phone anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Can you please SMS or email? Or uh-huh. it goes to our um, receptionist who takes a message. So yes. what do you do then? I mean, obviously mm. people are not, um, I'm guessing, I'm assuming people are not answering phones as much as they used to. They're probably in their... Um, TikToks and Instagram DMs. <laughs> you know, I think, again, this is, you know, a great thing to discuss because I think you're right. There is an assumption in the market from a lot of people that, you know, again, cold calling or kind of your cold outreach reach doesn't really work as much as it used to because, as you said, people aren't available as much or there's more gatekeepers out there. But in my experience, and I mean, gosh, I've been running the promo Donna now for 12 years. And, you know, I can't believe that, you know, next month. Um, and I would say I have actually seen an increase, if anything, in the, you know, amount of opportunity or, you know, results that we've been able to create over the past few years. And I think what I put it down to when people say, well, how, why is that? You know, why is that occurring? I think the world that we live in now, you know, we obviously went through some really tough times with the likes of the lockdowns and all of that, where we were online, you know, we had to do all these Zoom meetings, we had to, you know, we weren't able to meet face to face. And even to that extent, sometimes we were more liaising via email or via text or something of that nature. So I think that human to human contact, you know, people are craving it more than ever. And I think that they, again, are wanting to get out and about again and meeting with people. So I think that's why we've seen a bit of an uptick in terms of our capability in booking, you know, face-to-face appointments. And the cut through, I think people are more willing to have conversations because they're, you know, getting back into business as normal and saying, yes, I'm open to, you know, reviewing or discussing whatever it is you might be pitching. Um, So I think, you know, that's one side of my answer to that is, yeah, it's alive more than ever. You know, cold calling is not dead because that human to human contact is being craved. And on top of that, I think to also answer your query kind of relating to gatekeepers, I think, you know, again, you have to have a really well-developed approach to that. Um, You know, some of the tips I would give people around, you know, dealing with gatekeepers is number one, understand that they are going to be there, you know, and they are kind of the people that 
hold, you know, they hold the key to the city, so to speak. So we do have to um, respect them and kind of befriend them. So that's one of my techniques that I train a lot of people in is, you know, when you call a company, if you're reaching a decision, uh, uh, sorry, a gatekeeper, um, as we like to call them, you know, you want to befriend them. You want to build rapport, you know, remember their name, you know, call up and say, oh, hi, Jenny, you know, we spoke last week. I was trying to reach John, you know, da 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 da. Kind of have this conversation where you're getting to know them as much as you're getting to know the decision maker and try and get them on side. You know, it could be as simple as saying, I'm really, I'm just wondering if you might be able to help me because I know that you know, you know, who's the best person to talk to within the company. This is a little bit about what we do. Can you help? Um, but I'd also say to that point that with the receptionist, with the gatekeeper, you don't want to, again, bombard them with a lot of information. So quite often my team and I will develop a script for them as much as we will for the decision maker. And it's going to be a little less of a spiel. You know, you don't want to kind of waffle on, you want to get straight to the point, but you also want to make it very clear and compelling as to why you're calling and why you should be speaking to someone. But as I said, you know, get them on side, try to get their help, and that might help you to achieve um, a bit more cut through. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's great advice. I, I'm trying, I'm remembering now uh, that personal connection and uh, during even the lockdowns, just getting literally physical mail in your mailbox. It's <laughs> 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 such a like, oh, it's exciting. <laughs> we don't get that as much as, you know, an email, electronic email or a message uh, on LinkedIn or somewhere like that. So having some kind of old school, traditional marketing, introducing that again as part of your overall sales process can actually be very helpful and set you apart from other businesses. Um, but on. I, I remember also receiving a cold call uh, because most of the calls I get, and the reason I actually don't answer the phone is because of the um, scams. And it's usually around the financial year, which is happening now in Australia. So I, I just thought, oh, I can't deal with this. But once I picked up the phone and it was uh, a young guy who had such a friendly demeanor. And yeah. he's like, oh, I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you, Ivana. I found you on LinkedIn, blah, blah, blah. And as we started talking, he started to open up and he told me uh, he didn't fake anything. He just said, oh, my, I'm actually doing a call call. This is my first call call. And I'm so glad that I, I you picked up. Uh, and, and then I don't know what he was selling. I think it was something to do with software. But he said this was a challenge that his business coach gave him. Uh, and I ended up speaking to him for like maybe a good 40 minutes, just having a good chat, like a friendly chat. Uh, yeah. And you feel like you, you hang up uh, after that phone call. You feel like you actually made a difference to somebody. Uh, and you feel positive about it. It's not a negative experience. Yes. And I think, you know, points that you've you've kind of hit on there is, you know, authenticity is key. You know, the fact that that caller was very honest in sharing with you, oh, well, this is actually my first cold call. And, you know, I'm so glad that I got on to you. You know, that really helps in building rapport. And I think, you know, unfortunately, cold calling, telemarketing, all of that industry, which obviously I am in and my team is in, it's been really tarnished because I think people have this perception that when you get a cold call, it's just going to be very robotic. You know, it's like they're reading a script and I get them all the time. I'm obviously someone that when I get a cold call, I listen intently because I'm like, I wonder how they're going to go with this. And sadly, a lot of them will read a script, you know, verbatim. Even if you, you know, you try to ask them questions, they can't really veer off of the page either and um, that would be my feedback to everyone listening again when you're you know reaching out um, you know you have that kind of sales process that step-by-step guide but the key word there is guide you know feel free to have kind of an open conversation and know that 
each conversation is going to be different. When you ask questions, you might be taken like down different paths and you've just got to be yourself and be natural and, you know, be honest and all of that. I think that's half the way that we can produce results is, yeah, having an authentic discussion with people rather than trying to kind of, you know, have this real salesy robotic approach, that's for sure. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, exactly spot on because the one of our values is to, in, in automation, is to humanise this personal yeah. connection, humanized communication, just like, can you appear as human as you can? Uh, and, yeah. then, and then don't automate parts where you have to be human. Like, so there was one um, called outreach via email that was like, two sentences, very clear, super on point. Uh, and I actually keep a swipe file. That's, I think that's a really clever thing to do, even for our listeners. If you get this <laughs> and you want to learn some tricks, uh, you can actually keep a swipe file. Uh, and I thought, wow, this is amazing. I'm actually going to reply to this because I really like uh, what they said. So I said, I'm interested, blah, blah, blah. So I used the keywords, probably interested. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I thought such a first message was so personal and so connecting. And I thought, wow, they know, they actually did some research. They know me. This is not a robotic kind of thing. And then yeah. within maybe two hours, I get back-to-back emails from two different from names. Uh, one was very, uh, oh, here's a proposal. Here's our brochure. Uh, impersonal, like no name. Yes. And then a personal one which also was automated, it didn't capture any of the essence of the first email. And I thought, wow, this is like five different people wrote this email. Uh, yeah. I duped. <laughs> you know, I'm, not, I'm just like, <laughs> not you. Uh, and you know what? I mean, this is, you know, something we're touching on here is, you know, the value as well of that personalised phone call because that's the other, you know, thing that people forget. I think, you know, when it comes to like cold outreach and say we're, you know, reaching out to someone on a cold list, People have this fear that, again, oh, it's going to be perceived as, you know, a real salesy pitch and, you know, I don't want to bother people. However, there's nothing more personalised than having a great discussion with someone. Um, you know, quite often, and I know listeners will be the same, you know, we're bombarded with these LinkedIn messages of people trying to pitch their services. And the ones that resonate with me are really personalised. You know, they will say, hey, Ash, you know, we met uh, a few months ago here. I was thinking of you because we have this service, blah, 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 blah. You know, would you have some time to to catch up about it? And I don't mind messages like that because, as you said, they've taken the time to tailor it, you know, specifically to me. And, uh, again, it kind of comes back to that what's in it for me pitch. You know, they've listened to that. But alongside of that, you know, making a call will make it so much more powerful because I often say, you know, I get these LinkedIn messages some of them resonate, but no one ever makes a follow-up call. You know, if someone actually called me and said, Ash, I sent you that LinkedIn message a couple of days ago. I wanted to follow up with you. Instead, it's just these automated messages, like you said, Giovanna, that just don't get any connection. So I think it's my way of just reinforcing to people that, again, you know, cold calling is still so relevant. And I think it's a way of really personalizing yourself and making yourself stand out from the competition because everyone is trying to automate, you know, yes. and just depersonalize things. <laughs> yes, depersonalize, which is where I also wanted to ask you is where this AI, you know, the AI revolution is coming and this is a big uh, thing happening in the tech space, but it's also now disrupting every single part of every industry. Uh, and I think people can now go onto these AI tools and create their own sales hooks and uh, all this content that they need and, and scripts and things like that. And I still feel uh, that you know they may not know that you know as an expert you know exactly what is right what is wrong <laughs> to do yeah. <laughs> uh, as a non-expert 
you would go in and, and ask AI to produce something that may be very average, and it usually does spit out some average content, very impersonal, uh, sometimes very good very when it's really short. Uh, text, mm-hmm. you know, if you need something for subject lines and very quick CTAs, yes. But if it's uh, if you start asking it to do two or three paragraphs, it's going to struggle to be on point. Yes. I wonder, do you find uh, AI disrupting uh, this cold outreach space for you? Yeah, look, I think, look, I personally, I love, I've been like blown away by the capabilities of AI. When my husband introduced me to chat GPT, I was like, this is life changing, you know, <laughs> this is amazing. So I'm definitely someone who, I've I've embraced it, but I think you're spot on when you say it's almost like you were touching on the fact that I think it has a time and a place because, yes, it's going to be able to help people, but will it completely replace, you know, sales or, you know, cold callers and, and lead generators and the like? Absolutely not. And I think it comes back to what we've been talking about, which is that human-to-human connection that people crave. I mean, as a great example, you know, how many of us ring, say, banks or, you know, we want to speak to someone and we're faced with these automated services, which ultimately, you know, that's the way that the AI is going is, you know, you're going to talk to this machine and they're going to try and give you a response. But everyone just gets so frustrated and says, I just want to talk to someone, you know, because they want that personalised answer. You know, they want people to understand them and provide that empathy that I don't think AI is ever really going to be able to achieve. And so, yeah, I would say as a recommendation to people, you know, embrace AI for certain reasons. I mean, I've used it. I have actually, you know, asked, you know, say the likes of ChatGPT to produce some scripts and approaches at times, just as kind of like a, you know, a curiosity thing of what will they come up with? And as you said, some of them, if they're short and simple, are very good. You know, they'll they'll really resonate but then we still have to add that human element. Like we will still take that script, take it to market and find that, well, this doesn't really resonate. We have to tweak it, you know, maybe add you know, something of our own flair. So, so yeah, definitely is an exciting thing to be happening, I think, at the moment. But I definitely don't think it will replace, um, you know, that need for that human interaction and for personalization, authenticity, all of that. Yeah, so. I think uh, I agree with you. Yeah, I think it's going to be, if anyone, if every business embraces that human uh, human connection over AI, um, they will just be standing apart from everybody else. And I it's agree. great positioning. Uh, well, I don't know if I have any other questions for you. <laughs> is there anything We've else? We've talked about so much, which is fantastic. We've kind of jumped around a whole range of topics. Yes. And um, yes. yeah, I hope that ultimately... It's going to inspire people, especially if they're, you know, purchasing those cold lists to get a bit more focused with it, to have a great approach, but also to know that it's still a very powerful method for generating new business. That's for sure. No, I've learned a lot as well. And, uh, you know, just even buying lists from trusted brokers, that's a big one. Uh, because there are hundreds and hundreds of business, um, businesses, I'm guessing, receiving these cold outreaches themselves with going, hey, we have hundreds of these uh, particular verticals that you can speak to and you have no trust, uh, you, you have no knowledge if they actually have a qualified database for you. Um, so it's really great that you can um, talk to someone like yourself who has expertise, uh, buying lists, qualifying lists, uh, helping you come up with a positioning a script, a pitch. That's a big one, I have to say, mm. uh, just being the art of the right pitch. <laughs> yes, and it oh. is an art. You're right, Giovanna, like, you know, for the listeners not to beat themselves up, you know, that getting your elevator pitch or a pitch right on the first go is very rare. Like, we'll have to test it out several times. And you can do that by, you know, even attending networking events 
or, you know, pitching it to a co-worker or something of that nature, you know, test and measure because having a few up your sleeve is very advantageous as well for all different scenarios. But yes, it's definitely an art form to master an elevator pitch. That's for sure. (laughs) And so once you have that in place, then you can talk about AI and technology and automation and everything else. Yes. (laughs) Easy. Thank you so much, Ashley. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking with you again. And uh, I hope that our listeners um, reach out to you as well if they need any help with the cold outreach. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely going to say that, that, you know, if anyone's heard anything that they've, you know, kind of thought, well, I'd love assistance with that, um, you know, even if it's just being put in touch with a good list broker, because I, um, I certainly had to do my research, you know, having done it for 12 years, I was dealing with a whole range of different ones and I've, I've tended to find those that produce, you know, the best kind of quality data. And, um, yeah, but at the end of the day, if you also don't want to do your calling because not many people do, that's where we can step in as well. So, yeah, feel free to reach out and um, we'd love to assist you. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.